Hi there, welcome to Glenlyden Baptist Church's podcast network. We're glad you can join us today. If you'd like more information on the church, please visit us on our website, www.gebc.org.nz. We hope you enjoy the pod. Hello family, how are you doing this week? It's been a little bit of a funny week with, um, yeah, not being... Not being present on Sunday due to having a, a tummy bug that was going around the family. So, yeah, welcome to welcome to a podcast that you haven't heard on a Sunday. Um, we're here week two of the Renew Together series, partnering with the New Zealand Baptist Mission Society. Renew Together is the theme. And I hope you've seen the video for this week with the, with the students from Bangladesh. I think the the video that 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 really hit me this morning. Um, was just seeing how those students were talking. It is good to remember that from the last few years, while there have been a dumpster fire for us, sometimes our dumpster fires don't even compare to the hardships that are seen in other countries. And I just thought, man, some of those young people, they were inspiring, their dreams, their hopes, what they wanted to become, how resilient they were in the face of COVID in their day-to-day lives. Being the, being the husband of a teacher, I can certainly attest to the difficulties that online schooling brought up. And this is in a country with fairly good accessibility, fairly good technology and internet connections. I can only imagine what that was like for for those students in Bangladesh. Week two's theme for Renew Together is Whakarongo, which means to sense, to listen, to perceive. And I thought today we could start with a whakatauki, a proverb. Nā te whakarongo me te tetero ka puta mai te kōrero. Through looking and listening, we gain wisdom. The message of this fokotoku, fokotoki, sorry, is simple. We learn, we grow ro- we grow wise by observing and immersing ourselves. We don't need to be leaders or teachers if our participation is that of one who watches and sees and listens and hears. We grow wiser if we do these things. And this is one of the traits that we should see when we grow in our Christian walk, isn't it? To grow wiser, to make better decisions, to live closer to how we were created to live, to become more like the people that God has called us to be. And to gain wisdom, we should watch, we should see, we should listen, and we should understand. Watching, seeing, listening, understanding, these are all elements that allow us to hope. And not hope in some wishy-washy western sense of the word, but a Christian hope where the happenings of the past, where the faithfulness that we can see from God throughout Scripture and ideally throughout our lives allow us to live in such a way that we can have such great confidence that what God says He will do in the future will be done because we know He has come through in the past. That's hope. Hope is a way of living. Hope should be our way of living. And hope is something that the whole world is looking for and especially needed right now. And we need it in the church. But where is the door of hope that we seek? Jim Wallace once wrote, Hope is not simply a feeling or a mood. Hope is the very dynamic of history. Hope is the engine of change. Hope is the energy of transformation. Hope is the door from one reality to another. Things that seem possible, reasonable, understandable, even logical in hindsight, often seemed quite impossible, unreasonable, nonsensical, and illogical when we were looking ahead to them. The changes, the possibilities, the opportunities, the surprises that no one would even have imagined became history. Between impossibility and possibility, there is a door. 
and that door is hope. And the possibility of history's transformation lies through that door. In order to walk through it, first you have to see it. But how do you see what isn't physically in front of you? Perhaps it isn't with our eyes that we need to see. And this is where together we can whakarongo. Early Māori navigators crossed the vastness of the Pacific Ocean without a compass, without a map, without a GPS. These navigators used the cloud patterns, the wind shifts, the currents of the sea, the flight paths of the birds, the streaks of phosphorescence to guide them. Some would lie on the bottom of their craft, the bottom of their waka, feeling in their bodies the pattern of the waves. And as they felt the waves through their bodies, they were able to sense the echoes of land as the waves retained a motion caused from bouncing off the land. They were phenomenal navigators, a skill all but lost in modern world, and yet somehow common to indigenous peoples. We look to the Inuit who read the snow, Aboriginal Australians who navigate the desert. I mean, kids learn how good the Pacific people were at navigating by watching Moana. And sometimes us adults do too, because it's on in the background, eh? Whakarongo describes a core value of New Zealand Baptist Mission Society. It describes listening with a sense of really hearing. Hearing and sensing what God is doing, so that we can obey and join Him. Listening wisely to all the hints and the nudges that the Spirit gives us. The world has changed, and continues to change, quickly. As technological advances happen, the world changes faster. I remember in my undergrad degree, which was about 2008 to 2010, we learned that youth culture had changed more in the past 10 years than it had in the 40 years before it. And I can tell you for sure that in the 10 to 12 years since I finished my degree, it has changed even more substantially. At NZBMS, they are very aware of these changes, and in response to that, have embarked on a review of the organization and their practices. This has led them to setting a strategic path for the next chapter of how they approach global mission on our behalf. Having already existed for 130 plus years, they want to see how to continue to exist, and so they have been seeking to truly listen and sense what God is saying to them. And this is an ongoing process. And we also know that the trusted ways that navigated them through the last chapter are not necessarily what we need for the current context. We need to return to the ancient skills of listening to God in the silence, in the gentle whisper, the, the reverberations of the waves on the bottom of the walker. Just as Elijah had to learn in 1 Kings 19-12 to when he expected God to speak in the fire and the wind, but instead found God in the quiet, in the wilderness, with much desperation and despair, Elijah heard God speak in the silence, and he responded with courage, imagination, and purposefulness. That's what they're seeking to do at NZBMS, for how to engage us and engage the world in, in global mission. And they're inviting us at Glen Eden Baptist Church, as members of the Baptist family in New Zealand, to join on the exciting adventure of global mission, especially with the poor and disadvantaged peoples of the world in mind. They invite us on a journey to join them in renewing together. Isaiah 43 begins by reminding the people of Israel that God created, God redeemed, God called, and God summoned them by name. God reminds them that they belong to God, and we can read this in Isaiah 
and that he is faithful and will be with them in the tough times. Isaiah 43, 2 and 3. God's love for them comes through clearly later in the passage. You are precious and honored in my sight. I love you. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. And in verses 6 to 13, God reminds him that he will lead them, unlike the other gods, and they will be God's witnesses. God alone will reveal, save, and proclaim, when I act, who can reverse it? God reminds them who he is, and from verse 14 onwards, he reminds them what he has done. Verse 14 says, God, their Redeemer, the Holy One, Lord, Creator, and King, remind them he had rescued them through the sea in Exodus. This is what the Lord says, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, for your sake I will send to Babylon and bring down as fugitives all the Babylonians and the ships in which they took pride. I am the Lord, your Holy One, Israel's Creator, your King. This is what the Lord says, he who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and the horses, the army and reinforcements together, and they lay there, never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. This reminder of how God had saved the people of Israel in the past could have led them to complacency. As if there's nothing more to be learned. God will just, he'll just do it again. God saved us in the past, so he'll save us from this captivity in Babylon, right? Isaiah needed to warn against this complacency. Isaiah believed that the hour in which his listeners found themselves called, called for watchfulness. Destiny hung in the balance with the earth-shaking events around them. The Jewish community was being engulfed by international developments that threatened to obliterate their identity and obliterate their vocation as God's people. Accordingly, right at the point when those who heard Isaiah's words would have begun to yield to the soothing effects of the recitation of the traditional images of God saving them through the Exodus, Isaiah destroys the soothing effects with the words from verse 18 and 19. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Forget the former things. Imagine that. The, the world is in turmoil. There's pressure from what surrounds you. You're in captivity from your enemies. And, and God's person comes in and says, Hey, remember God. Remember how well he worked it out. In Exodus, remember how well he worked in the past? Just just think on that. Remember that he has saved us. Well, forget it. Forget it. Don't dwell on those ones. What would you do? And then, just to confuse it some more, a little later on, Isaiah seemingly contradicts his own instructions later in the passage. Remember this. Keep it in mind. Take it to heart, you rebels. Remember the former, former things. Those of long ago. I am God. There is no other. I am God, and there is none like me. What's going on? Why, why is Isaiah being so confusing? Why is God seemingly being so confusing? Remember the past, forget it. Remember the past, remember it. The past is important. Of course it is, because it tells us of God's faithfulness. And we can learn much from the past. But the past should never bind us. Our gaze must be ever forward, looking to the new things God is doing and calling us into. In Isaiah 43, many of the Jews who were now in exile in Babylon wouldn't like the news that God has for them. 
They just want the old story served up again, not a new one. New ones are hard to live through. If we can just have God come in and guide us out of Egypt again, that's easy. We know it. We've seen it. We believe it. But God's saying, I'm doing something new. Isaiah surprises the people by reminding them that God is there for them. He led them through the Exodus. He is a faithful God. And then bang, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. Why? Because God wants to emphasize, see, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. God wants to lead them out of exile in Babylon. The way back to their homeland is through the wilderness, and there will be many dangers and hazards along that route. They may now be free to leave Babylon and head home. The shackles may have been lifted, but the people were still caught in a lethargy, and the invisible cord holding them was the wistful sort of memory of the past that dulls alertness to the present. They need to be shocked out of that complacency and lethargy. Isaiah 43 is the wake-up call to the contemporary, to the right-now reality, nature of God's work and people's response to it. Faith is not simply remembering the past and telling the old stories, but faith is being drawn into God's unfolding story. Faith, like hope, is a way of living. It is active, and it is a story that God invites us all into. This passage recognizes the place for appreciating and honoring the past, while also being called to daring openness in the future. God was faithful then, and will be faithful again in this new journey, through a new wilderness. God is saying, do not dwell, do not pay an inordinate amount of attention to what has gone on in the past. Do not perceive it, Isaiah 43, 19 says. This is the crucial question. Did the people of Israel perceive what God was doing now and what God wanted to call them into with this new thing? We are living through a time of huge global change at many levels. Life for our churches here, life for our global missionaries. It's not the same. We aren't going back to the past. The past is gone. We've been called into a new reality We've been called through a new wilderness. The question is, do we perceive it? Whakarongo, an essential value for finding God's way forward, calls us to listen deeply. Jesus said he is the way. Early Christians were called people of the way and described as wayfinders. Today, we need to also be people of the way. People who can discern and navigate the new things God is doing. We need to be wayfinders and people who know how to listen, to sense and to perceive, so that we can courageously obey. I love the traditional translations, the, the first word of Isaiah 43.19. I read it from my uh, translation as see. But in traditional translations, the word is behold. Behold occurs over a thousand times in Scripture, both in Hebrew, First Testament, and Greek, and the New Testament. It's a word we, we don't use much today. We don't walk around saying, Behold! But it is used to capture the reader's attention. It means to pause, to pay attention to what God is about to say. It's like a way holier version than, Oi! Listen up! And then spring up. This reminds us of seeds sprouting new life, or grass that springs up, or, or plants that spring up like a, like a new like a new garden ready for spring. Here God is saying that he can do immeasurably more than we could imagine. And where will God make new life spring up? 
He makes it spring up in the wilderness, in the desert. When we look at the events and circumstances surrounding us now, it is easy to see stress, barriers, impossibilities. For us, desert and wilderness seem like death and loneliness. And yet God sees all situations quite differently. Over and over, God uses the metaphor of wilderness when God is preparing them for something new, for something better. For God, the wilderness is a place of transformation and new possibilities. Just look at the different wilderness experiences that we see in Scripture. Moses doesn't <coughs> excuse me. Moses doesn't meet God in the palaces of Egypt, but he meets him in the desert. Elijah meets God in the wilderness. Ezekiel, wondering what God's plan is, is led to the wilderness, to the valley of dry bones. Jesus is preparing a way for his ministry, and the Spirit leads him into the wilderness. John the Baptist says, in the wilderness, prepare a way for the Lord. In church, we often talk about green pastures and, and fresh water, running streams. But we don't talk so much about the wilderness. But in this context, God says, I can make a way. I can make a stream. I can do the new thing. See it. Behold. Oi, listen up. I'm doing something new. The unprecedented, the unexpected. Do you not perceive it? So what is the new thing that God is about to do? We know that God will provide a way in the wilderness. And we know that God will provide rivers in the desert. Because he's done it before. Because he's done it through scripture. Because he's done it through life. But we must be open to the change and receptive to the sources in which new life comes. It is not only that God is doing something new. But for us to perceive it, we need to find new ways of listening. The new is not announced in the same way as the old. We need to learn from the indigenous navigators how to read the waves. We need to be willing to lie on the bottom of our waka. And feel the echo of the ocean through our bodies. That is quite different to standing on the deck with a compass or a GPS or saying, Hey Siri. At NZBMS, they are learning uh, from the Māori and the communities we work with globally to sense together the new ways God is opening up before them. And here at GEBC, we too are on our own new way of discovering the new ways of hearing God and the different from the turmoil of the last few years. How do we be a better community? How do we learn together? How do we grow closer? How do we disciple? How do we live as followers of Christ in our community? Those are the questions we want to keep exploring together. Those are the questions we hope to answer some of with our Growing Small initiative. How do we at GEBC continue to hear God and understand what He is saying as He calls us into the future? Na te whakarongo miti titiro kaputa mai te korero. Through looking and listening, we gain wisdom. Let's continue to look and listen together, to grow together, and walk together into the future that God is creating for us. Let's pray. Thanks again for joining with us today. If you'd like to know more information on the church or reach out to one of the pastors, please visit our website www.gebc.org.nz. Hope you have a great day.